All right. All God's people say it. Amen. All right. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2. We're going to jump back into our study in the book of Acts. Isn't the Lord good? All right. Acts chapter number 2. We're going to begin in verse number 41. Has everybody got a lesson? Everybody got a lesson? Anybody need a lesson? Everybody got one. All right. I think we... Is anybody... Uh, carrying the lessons. Where'd all my lesson carriers go? Man, they done bailed out on me. Uh, uh, all right, I guess if you don't have one, it's going to be tough. Amen. <laughs> all right, all right. Acts chapter number four, or excuse me, Acts chapter number two, verse 41. If you're there, say amen. amen. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now that's what I call a, 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 a show enough preaching service, amen? 3,000 people believed the message of the gospel and were saved. And this is what happened, verse 42. And they, what's that next word? Continue. Say it with me. And they Continue. continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed, how many of them? All All that believed were together and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continuing, there's that word again, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church, the Lord added to the church, such as should be saved. In other words, those who were being saved, the Lord was adding to the assembly, he was adding to the congregation, he was adding to uh, the, the local body of believers there in Jerusalem. All right, so let's pray and we'll, we'll, we'll get started here. Uh, this this evening. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor to serve you. Thank you for the honor of being in your house and, and, and with your people. I pray right now that you'll just bless our study tonight. I pray that you'll bless your word. I know you promised and you said in your word that it would never return void. It would always accomplish what it's sent out to do. And Lord, I pray that you'll speak to all of us tonight. Speak to our hearts. Speak to us as we hear you. Uh, Lord, this is not just a book. This is not just some piece of literature. This is your holy word. This is your mind on paper. And I pray that you will take the living word and speak to our hearts. I pray that you won't let me say anything I shouldn't. And Lord, don't let me forget anything I should. And God will thank you and praise you and give you all the glory and the honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated uh, this evening. Let's, let's just jump right in with, to our, our introduction uh, here in your notes on the top of your page. Uh, we're, we're speaking. Now, if you are here, uh, you haven't been here in the last few weeks, and we are on the day of Pentecost. It is the day that the Holy Spirit came. It was a day that the Holy Spirit filled the disciples, and uh, Peter is preaching, explaining this event. He's explaining what has taken place and what has happened. And uh, in that explanation, he gives the gospel and he preaches the gospel to all of this crowd that is here. And he shares about Jesus and who Jesus was and their responsibility to Jesus. And 3,000 people, according to the scriptures we just read, 3,000 people believed in the gospel and were saved. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. How many of y'all know that salvation is not the end of the line? It's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. Uh, sometimes people have this idea when they win someone to Christ that that's the, uh, okay, that we're, we're finished up now. No, no, no. That is just the start. That is just the start. And that's what we're going to see here in this particular chapter. So let's, let's look in our introduction. We see, we see several things in the beginning. First, the church was unified in Acts 2.44. They were together. They were together. We need unity in the house of the Lord. Say Amen. They were unified in Acts 2.44, but they were magnified in Acts 2.47. Magnified, what does that mean? God built them up in the eyes of their community and of the people. 
they seen that this was not just a, a small group. This was an influential situation. God was really with them. God's hand was really upon them. And they were magnified in the eyes of the people. All right? The church was unified in Acts 2.44, magnified in Acts 2.47, and multiplied in Acts 2.47. So write that down. Multiplied in Acts 2.47. It had a powerful testimony among the unsaved Jews, and not only because of the miracles that the apostles were doing, but because of the way the members of the fellowship loved each other and served the Lord. The believers continued to use the temple for their place of assembly and ministry, but they also met in various homes, and we'll talk about that here in a minute. The 3,000 new converts needed instruction in the Word and fellowship with God's people if they were to grow and become effective witnesses. The early church, and this is what I really want I want you to get in your head. The early church did more than make converts. They also made disciples. Disciples. Listen, there is a process to this. There is, I, I, am, I am personally discipling two young men at separate times, one-on-one with them. And, uh, and we, we talked about a verse this week that said, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Isn't that great? He's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are... All right, some of you got it, some of you didn't. All things are become they are become new nobody's all they're supposed to be the day after they're saved you don't you don't get it all together overnight but you are becoming what god wants you to be and i share with this young man that that listen you're not going to have everything all your ducks in a row overnight the day you got saved god didn't just fix everything he, he saved you your 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 soul is saved but listen, there's things you got to work on. There is a process that God will take you through becoming what you need to be. And listen, everybody is in that process. The Bible says in Romans chapter number, Romans chapter number eight, I believe it is, Romans eight twenty eight. For all things work together for good to them that love the Lord to them that are called according to his purpose. Now, what is his purpose? The very next verse. For whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So what does that mean? That means he saves you to put you in a process of becoming more like his son. Are y'all with me? Say amen. What is he saying? You are becoming new. All things in your life are becoming new. You're becoming more like Jesus. And if you are not becoming more like Jesus, you might want to see and determine whether you're truly born again. But we all have to be in this process. Now, there is something, there is something that God has given us all as a gift, as a blessing. Are y'all with me? To, to enhance this process and to, uh, 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 to benefit this process. It's called the local church. Say it with me. The local church. Now, if you ever hear somebody say, I don't have to go to church to be a good Christian. This is what you say. Liar, liar, pants on fire. <laughs> Immediately you say that. Because that's not biblical. Matter of fact, it's unbiblical. Because you, you need help in this process. You need help in this transformation that God is doing in your life. You need the church, and the church needs you. Now, now be careful. Be careful. I mean, let's go back to what uh, uh, Dr. Craig said last week. The church is not this building. The church is sitting beside you. Look around. I know it's a rough-looking church, but look around. <laughs> That's the church. What's beside you is the church. The church needs you, and you need the church. Look at your neighbor and tell them, you need me. You do. That's right. That's right. Now, now, here's the thing. Here's the thing. Now, look, why, why am I emphasizing this? Because we're living in a world that's getting increasingly more selfish and isolated. Amen. That it's all about me. There was a book written, Putting 
Num- uh, let's see, putting, how, how, how I, can, I, I had this memorized and I done forgot it. Uh, looking out for number one. Looking out for number one. It was a book written, it was on the number one bestsellers list for 45 straight weeks. Looking out for number one. Do you know that is completely anti-Christian? Now, we'll get there. Now, 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 follow me now. Watch this. They continued, verse 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now, the them is the 120 that was meeting in the upper room. Those were the original believers, the original followers of Christ. If you remember that, say amen. Now you have 3,000 brand spanking new believers who have believed the message of the gospel that was presented by the Apostle Peter, and they have been added to this number. If you with me, say amen. Now watch what happens. What, what do they do after this? And they continued. Look at the definition of continued. To be earnest with, to persevere, to be constantly diligent. Write these two words beside that. Faithful. And committed, faithful and committed. I know that's a dirty word in today's, you know, environment, the word faithful, being committed to something, but they were committed. They continued. There were some things they were continuing in. They were faithful. They were persevering in. They were earnest with, constantly diligent. All right. The Bible says that they continued steadfastly at first in the apostles Doctrine. So here's what I want you to write. Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. First, they continued in gathering. They continued in gathering. Everybody say that word with me. They continued in gathering. gathering. Does the Bible not say, does the Bible not say, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together? Does the Bible not say that? Now, if the Bible says that, that means you cannot be a Lone Ranger Christian. You cannot be right with God and not go to church. Not gather with the church. Are y'all with me? Look what it says. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. We're going to come back to that because God showed me something today that's really cool. Right there in verse 24. But we'll come back to that in a minute. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. In other words, they were already backsliding back then. Now look around. Everybody look around. Does it look different tonight than it did last Wednesday? Now, we think this problem just started. But according to Paul in in the book of Hebrews, they were already doing it back then. As the manner of some is. He said some people are already doing this. They're forsaken gathering together. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So they were continuing in gathering. Now what were they doing when they gathered? What were they doing when they gathered? Write this down. There was receiving of the scripture. They were receiving the scripture. The Bible says they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. All right? The word doctrine just means teaching, okay? It means teaching. So what what is it? Well, they've got 3,000 people who don't know nothing. All they know is old Judaism. All they know is the Old Testament law. Are y'all with me? And so they have to be instructed. Now, what is the apostles' doctrine? Now, to us, we would go back and look at the epistles in the New Testament. It was the letters of Paul, the letters of Peter. Are y'all with me? All the epistles in the New Testament is the apostles' doctrine. That's what they were teaching to these new believers. They were teaching them what Jesus had taught them. If that makes sense, say amen. All right, and I believe they were even taking Old Testament scriptures uh, just like Peter did and showing them how through the Old Testament scriptures, Jesus was truly the Messiah. And so they're teaching. They've, They've got to learn. They've got to grow. They've got to develop. They need to be taught. And guess what? You need to be taught. You don't need to be scripturally, you don't need to be scripturally ignorant. Are y'all with me? You don't need to be scripturally illiterate. The Bible says, be ready always to give an answer to any man that asketh you a hope that is in you. You don't ever need to say, because my preacher said. You need to be able to know some Bible. You've got to grow. You've got to learn. You've got to expose yourself to teaching. You've got to do this. Somebody say amen. amen. So they, they, they continued in this. They continued in this. 
Paul told Timothy, Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.13, Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Doctrine. 1 Timothy 4.16, Take heed unto thyself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. 2 Timothy 4, 1, through, uh, 1 and 2. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead that is appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. He's saying be patient with people. That's hard. That's hard. He says, do it with long suffering. He says, reprove, rebuke, and exhort. That's two negatives and one positive. Quit whining when I'm getting on you. Because I do a lot of encouraging, but he says, you need to do twice as much. Or, come on, y'all go off quiet tonight. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering, right? But do it with doctrine. Teaching. What are you teaching? The word. The word. I'll be honest with you. I think one of the, one of the and, I, and I hear it all the time when people, new people come and they're here for a little while. You hear this phrase all the time. I have learned more in, since we've been here. There is, a, there is a famine of biblical teaching. Now, how many of y'all enjoyed last week? Going deep, you, you, you just felt stronger when it was over. You learned stuff you didn't know and how there's so much more. There is so much more to salvation than you just going to heaven. There's so much more to salvation when it comes to the new covenant and it's all God, it's not a you. Somebody say amen. amen. And man, you, you feel energized. You feel strengthened by the teaching and the doctrine that's given. And man, there's churches that, there's churches neglecting doctrine. Well, we don't need all that stuff. We just, no, no, you do. Do you, you want me to tell you where the cults get their recruits from? It's from church people who know this much. They're not, they're not, they're not going after completely, you know, unsaved or, or unchurched people. Most of the cults are filled with former church people. Well, I, I was a former Baptist, but now I'm, you know, one of, one of our, our uh, uh, my daughter was, was visiting this week and, and, and they met a lady who was a Jehovah's Witness now that she said she was a former Baptist. Now, now, here's a problem because, and, and I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to downgrade anybody, but when you leave true doctrine. It's because you didn't know it. Are y'all with me? You got to know. You got to grow. You got to learn. But you can't do it if you don't put yourself. And I know I'm preaching to the choir tonight. The Wednesday night crowd is the last people who need to hear this this point. But it's in the book, so you're going to hear it. So you can encourage other people to come with you. Are y'all with me? Now, so... We, we see they received the scriptures when they gathered. Then B, write this down. There was reinforcing of the saints. Strengthening, edifying, if you will. Through what? Fellowship. This is huge. I got a lot of material with this, and I need you to hang with me. Look what it says. Look what it says uh, in verse, let's see. Let me, let me get down. <clears throat> 46, 46. Everybody look at 46, verse 46. And then we're going to go back up to 42, okay? And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple, in the temple, say that with me, in the temple, and breaking bread from... Okay, there's two different environments there. Now flip over, flip over. If you have your Bibles with you, flip over to Acts 20. Acts 20, quickly, quickly, quickly. Got a lot of material, so y'all got to hurry. Y'all not flipping fast enough. Acts 20. All right, in verse 20. 2020. 
When you hear 2020, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Huh? Vision. Thank you. Amen. All right. I think somebody's going to say the new show, you know, but uh, all right. Is that what you said? All right. We think alike. But vision, right? 2020 is supposed to be perfect vision, right? Now watch, watch. Some have said, some have said that Acts 2020 is God's perfect vision for the church. Okay. Now watch what it says. This is Paul speaking. He said, this is how he's explaining his behavior and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly. That would have been at the temple or at one of the synagogues publicly and, and from now see, there's two different environments there. All right. There is the public environment and then there's the private environment. There is the big environment. Now, uh, the temple here in Acts, Acts chapter number 2, this was, most of y'all seen the pictures before that we put up of the temple complex, the temple compound. It was massive. It was massive. Now, you've got to understand, uh, the first church was a mega church. Okay? Had 3,120 uh, uh, members and growing. So, it was a massive, massive group here. And they would come to the temple and, and they would meet in one of the courtyards, probably Solomon's courtyard, and they'd find one of the corners and you could come and you could, you could learn, and you could grow, you could have a, a, a time of teaching and a time of, of, of togetherness there. And that was the time that the apostles would teach, right? They would teach. But then they would go house to house in, in a different environment. Now, you don't have this in your notes, but just listen. Just listen. I, I just wrote some of these things down. All right. At the temple is the big environment. The house was the, come on, the small environment. In the temple, the apostles talk. Okay. But in the house, we talk to each other. Y'all going? Y'all with me? Now, in the temple, it was formal. In the house, it was, in the temple is where we listen. In the house is where we, y'all seen how this works? Now watch. In the temple, we study the scripture. In the house, we apply the scripture. All right. In the temple is where we see God is most high. But in the house is where we see God is most nigh. Where he's close to us, okay? In the temple, we're basically a spectator. But in the house environment, we are a participator. Now, you see what's happening? We go from the temple in, 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 the, in the big environment, and the apostle, whether it would be Peter, uh, whoever it would be that would stand and deliver the truth, deliver the doctrine, the teaching that they had learned from Christ. Everybody's there. Well, then they go to the homes. Again, how many of y'all know you can't fit 3,000 people in a house? All right? So they're scattered abroad and, and all throughout Jerusalem in these houses discussing the teaching, applying the teaching. Are y'all with me? Now, do y'all see where I'm going with this? In other words, the life groups are just as important as the big environment on Sunday morning. And a lot of people don't think it's a big deal. And a lot of people don't understand why I make a big deal about it. Or I, I, I try my best to encourage you and I want our leaders to be in these. This is how it, it was in the New Testament. This was exactly the model of the New Testament. Now, I'm going to show you why. I'm going to show you why. Why was it important to do this? Why was it important to fellowship? Look at your notes real quick. And then, then I want to give you some more stuff that you don't have. <clears throat> All right. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, that ye also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write unto you that your may be full. Look at how those two things. He said, I'm telling you this so you can fellowship with us. Not only that you can fellowship with us, but that what can be full? Joy. You're going to get joy out of fellowship. Now watch. Now watch this. Watch this. Fellowship 
is the spiritual duty of believers to stimulate each other to holiness and faithfulness. It is most specifically expressed through the one another's of the New Testament. And I'm going to read them here in just a second. The basic meaning of koinonia, which is the word fellowship in your New Testament, it means partnership or sharing. Underline or circle, put bold something around sharing so it stands out to you because that's very, 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 very important. Sharing. Sharing. Those who receive Jesus Christ become partners with him and with all other believers. The joy associated with it, as we just read in 1 John chapter 1, however, may be lost through the sinful neglect of its duties. For a Christian to fail to participate in the life of a local church is inexcusable. In fact, those who choose to isolate themselves are disobedient to the direct command of Scripture. According to Hebrews 10, 24, which we done read, but we're going to read again in just a second. The Bible does not envision the Christian life as one lived apart from other believers. All members of the universal church, that means every born again believer, the body of Christ are to be actively and intimately involved in local assemblies. Now, let me, let me, let me share this with you. Why was it important for them to gather together in those small groups to fellowship. We have, we, have, we have really ruined this word. If, especially if, you, if you're a long-standing Christian and you're an Americanized Christian uh, like I was. I grew up in, in the Christian tradition and in, in, in the Christian church. And, 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 uh, and so I, I heard that word fellowship all the time. We even called a certain building a fellowship Oh, yeah, y'all grew up that way. Come on. And so when we, what'd you do there? We just ate snacks, right? We ate or whatever. Uh, they served bad coffee and stale cookies. Say amen. You ate, you ate in the fellowship hall. So this building is called the fellowship hall. We talk about gathering together for fellowship. And, and a lot of times we don't truly understand the real meaning of that. It's not just eating, although that could be connected to it. It's not just, you know, because if it was just eating, we could do that at home. Are y'all with me? But that's all we've made it out to be. Fellowship is way more than that. Fellowship is sharing. Say that with me. Fellowship is sharing. sharing. Do you know all of the one another commands you cannot do on Sunday morning? You cannot do it on Sunday morning. And I'm going to read them. So where do you think he expects you to do them? Mm-hmm. All right. Now look, watch this. Before I do that, why was it important? Why was it important? What was the point? What was the point? Why did we need to gather together and be there for each other? Well, in that day, in that day, you, you will see a progression you will see a progression of the treatment of the believers in the book of Acts. First, they just called them a bunch of drunks, which was a lie. So it's fake news, say amen. Then they begin to persecute them. Then they begin to beat them up until the point they start killing them. Right? We see Stephen is stoned. Uh, uh, I believe James is, is beheaded. Are y'all with me? And, and so they are being persecuted. When they got saved, they were kicked out of the synagogue, basically excommunicated from the, from the uh, you know, their, their Jewish uh, religion and their, their Jewish heritage and all of that. So they were ostracized and they didn't have anybody. Most of them, most of them lost their employment, lost their jobs because they were new believers in Christ. Are y'all with me? That was the whole point. That was the whole point of selling some of the land to help those that were in great need because when they became a believer, they were ostracized, they lost, and now they are in utter poverty. Listen, everybody needs somebody sometime. And that was the point. They were going through persecution. They were, they were being mistreated. So they needed to band together. They needed to fellowship because that was a, a, an oasis in the middle of a desert. Are y'all with me? Say amen. 
He said, but oh, preacher, we don't have to worry about that. We're not under persecution. We're not under all that kind of stuff. No, we're under something much, much worse. We're becoming an isolated society. All of, all of, all of social media. How many of y'all have figured out now that social media is not very social? You know, we can, we can disappear into this world of make-believe. Are y'all with me? You, you, can, you can be there, and if, if the people you're sitting there with is, is beginning to bore you and not keeping your interest, come on. Don't look at me that way. I've seen some of y'all at a restaurant. All right. Hey, did, was y'all able to find any of them pictures? Could y'all, y'all put this up? See if any of this looks familiar to you. An artist, an artist took all the phones out just so you could see what it looks like. Here are two people seemingly very close to you, but they're in two different worlds. Look at the next one. Two people very close to each other, yet are in two different worlds. How about this one? Now, before social media and before technology, they'd be outside playing cowboys and Indians. Y'all with me? Building forts in the woods. What were they? What would they be doing? Fellowshipping, commune, community. Are y'all with me? But this is what we have now. Now. I'm not sure anybody is not guilty of this right now. Couples sitting in the bed, hadn't talked all day, but yet they're on each other's phones. No fellowship, no togetherness. This This is one of the greatest dangers to people today. We are becoming more and more and more isolated. Now think about this. We'll walk past three empty registers to go to the self checkout so we don't have to talk to nobody. We'll do the checkout. Yeah, it's quiet. We don't want to go nowhere. We don't want to talk to nobody. We don't want to see anybody. We're becoming increasingly more and more and more isolated. And the devil is laughing his head off. When God said that you need to gather more and more and more, but we're becoming more and more isolated. We don't build front porches anymore. We build back porches. Right? Listen. Here's the thing. We're connected to everything and everybody, and yet we're, our, our country's getting more and more lonely. Human beings are instinctively social animals. It is natural for us to feel alone or lonely when we are isolated from others. As a tribal species, our brains are designed to rely on social connections as a means to survive. In fact, according to neuroscientist John Cassiopo, who, was made, who has made a career out of studying loneliness, he says the absence of social connection triggers the same primal alarm bells as hunger, thirst, and physical pain. The percentage of, now now listen to this, the percentage of Americans who responded that they regularly or frequently felt lonely was between 11 to 20 percent in the 1970s and 80s. The American Association of Retired Persons did a national representative study in 2010 and found it was closer to 40 to 45 percent today. In other words, half of our population is declaring they're lonely. When, when, When we... Say we have however amount of friends on our Facebook. But no connection. No interaction. No talking. Just isolation. How many of y'all know that when we're isolated, we can be cut off? That's, that's, does anybody ever watch National Geographic? You ever watch the, the lions and the zebras? 
They don't get the whole herd. They get the one that's cut off. He's the one in most danger. Are y'all with me? Now look at these one another's. Look at these one another's. A new commandment, John 13. A new commandment I give unto you that ye love one another. All right, Romans 12, 10. Be kindly affection one to another. With brotherly love and honor preferring one another. Romans 15, 7. Wherefore receive ye one another. As Christ also received us to glory to the glory of God. Galatians 5, 13. For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty. Only use not that liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. Ephesians 4, 32. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Colossians 3, 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. Why do you think he put forbearing in there? Because he knew some of y'all were overbearing. <clears throat> So we'd have to forbear you. Say amen. Colossians 3.16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. In psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. 1 Thessalonians 4.18. Wherefore, comfort one another. But Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest that any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 10.24, consider one another. Verse 25, exhorting one another. All right, I'm going to give you the definitions of those words. All right, now think about this. Most people in the American New Testament church, they think the pastor gets paid to do all that stuff. That's his job. His job is to love us, to prefer us, to consider us, to forgive us, forbear us. But that's not what it's saying. It says, come on, it says, one another. Now watch, now watch. Preferring means regard another's wishes. The word receive means to take initiative in hospitality. Admonish means to put into mind or to caution to caution. We're to caution one another when we see one another doing something that they really shouldn't. Serve means to be a voluntary slave. Wow. Forbearing. I told you it means to put up with. Forgiving. Grant as a favor or a pardon. Kind means gracious. Edify means to build up, to confirm, to embolden. Exhort means to call near or invite or persuade, really to encourage. Consider means to observe fully or to think about, right? To think about. Now watch this. This is something I've seen. Hebrews 10, 24. We read this verse all the time when it comes to don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, blah, 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 blah. And you think, oh, that just means we're supposed to show up church on Sunday. No, it's way more than that. It's way more than that. The assembling is not just to hear the word on Sunday. The assembling means for all the one another's. It means not just the temple, but from, come on everybody, from, in other words, not just the big environment, but the small environment. Now watch, now watch. Hebrews 10, 24. Can, you got that up there? Uh, there you go. All right. All right, now watch. Let us consider. Let us, come on, let us, what did we say that meant? To think about. To think about, to focus on. All right, now who are we to consider? One another. Now look at the one beside you. That's who you're to consider. Right? That's who you're to be thinking about. Watch this. Watch this. You're going to love this. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, 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 I'm supposed to think when I'm determining. Okay, let me, let me hang on, hang on, I'll get to that. Verse 25. Not forsaking the of. Okay, watch this, watch this, watch this. 
Not forsaking the assembling in the, what kind of environment? Big environment. That was at the temple, right? Where they could come hear the word being explained and taught. But then also the small environment, which was not the temple, but. Now watch. When I'm determining, when I'm determining whether I'm going to show up to the big environment or to the small environment, here's, here's what most people think. Do I have time? Do I have anything else to do? Can I, is there something else I can do to say that I was busy? You know what we think about? Ourself. Is it convenient? Is it convenient? But you know what it said? You, who you're supposed to be thinking about? Most people, most people, when it comes to attendance to church, the only one they're thinking about, because this, this is what's in their mind. Well, the only one I'm hurting if I don't go to church is me. Not so. Not according to those verses. Because when I get here, I'm supposed to be encouraging you. I'm supposed to be provoking you to good works. I'm supposed to be edifying you and loving you, lifting you up. And spurring you on, saying, hey, let's get them. Let's get them. I know we didn't do well this week. I know the devil kicked us in the teeth. But hey, this is another week. Let's go. One another. Now, some of y'all are just satisfied to make me have to do all that. No wonder preachers are quitting by the dozen every day. Because you know what we, we don't think about? We don't think about nobody but ourselves. But according to this verse, go back to verse 24. Who, who are we supposed to be thinking about? Let us consider who? So here's the thing. When you determine whether you're going to go to the big environment or you're going to show up to the small environment, think about who needs you, not what you need. I, I hear people say that to me all the time. Preacher, I've been, I've been in church all the time and I've been there long enough. I don't, need, I don't really need all that. It may not be about you. Who needs you? Who needs you? Who needs your pat on the back? Who needs your encouragement? Who, who needs your attaboy? Who's ready to quit and they need you to hear or they need to hear you say, Hey, fight on, brother, fight on. I'm with you. Fellowship. Say it with me. Fellowship. God's smarter than we are, guys. God's way smarter than we are. This, this Lone Ranger Christian mentality. And by the way, you can't do none of that over the screen on the internet. You have a pass if you're out of state. If you're in Coleman, you should be here. No, I'll cut it. Mm, I ain't got time for that. Let's do it again. I'm, I'm just reading the verse. You remember? Study. No fluff. No fluff. You expect to fluff tonight. No fluff. Let us consider. Think about. Who we're supposed to think about? One another. Why? Because I'm here to provoke. That means to incite, to urge on, to love, and to what? Good works. Look at the next one. Not forsaking the assembling, the gathering, right? The gathering of ourselves together as the manner of some is. But that means encouraging one another. And how much? So much the Amen. Listen, it's important. It's important. It's a big deal. I'm not just trying, listen, I'm not trying to say, hey, we had this many in church on Sunday. We had this many in life group. It ain't about that. It's about fortifying you. It's about making you stronger and developing you in the army of Christ. Because I don't know if you recognize this or not or figured this out, but do y'all realize how anti-Christian our world is becoming? We need each other. 
And we got to quit thinking selfishly. Pearl Buck, 1938 Nobel Prize winner for literature. This is what she said. The person who tries to live alone will not succeed as a human being. His heart withers if it does not answer another heart. His mind shrinks away if he hears only the echoes of his own thoughts and finds no other inspiration. You know what? The huge redwood trees in California are amazing. How many of y'all, anybody seen them in person? The redwood trees in California? Man, I'm jealous. I'm jealous. I'll see them one day. Listen, they are the largest living things on earth and the tallest trees in the world. Some of them are 300 feet high and more than 2,500 years old. Now, you would think that trees that large would have a tremendous root system, reaching down hundreds of feet into the earth. But that's not the case. Redwoods have a very shallow root system. The roots of these trees are, watch this, however, intertwined. They are tied in with each other and interlocked. Thus, when the storms come and the winds blow, the redwoods still stand with an interlocking system, root system that they support and sustain each other. They need one another to survive. And guess what? We do too. Listen, they continued in fellowship. They got together to discuss this new, this new faith, this new walk with God. They, they received the scriptures in their gathering. They fellowship. They reinforced each other, encouraged each other in their fellowship. But then see, there was remembering of the sacrifice, the breaking of bread. In other words, the Lord's Supper, communion. They steadfastly did that. And, and by the way, too, breaking of bread was not just the Lord's Supper. They would eat meals together. Some called the love feast. They would, they would eat together. They would break bread together. They would share meals together. Then D, they gathered to reach the sovereign. That just means prayer. The Bible says in verse 41, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day they were added to them about 3,000 souls, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, that's teaching, fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They were a praying people. They were a praying people. Now look at number two. Look at number two. They not only continued in gathering, but they continued in giving. They continued in giving. Look at verse 44. Verse 44. And all that believed were all that believed were together, and they had all things common. All right? First, I want you to write this down. A, they were giving in spirit. They had a mind, a heart, a generous spirit. They were together. They were together. They were in common. Not only were they giving in spirit, but they were giving in substance. They were giving in substance. The Bible says in verse 45, they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. Now, some people try to use these verses for communism or socialism, which is just communism with a different name. Listen, you say, what's the difference in that? This was freely given, not forced. Not at the end of a gun. Are y'all with me? It was a choice that was made. It was a spirit that they had. It was not demanded by God. They did it because they wanted to do it. They had a generous spirit. Now, I, there's one thing I found out about people that are truly God's people, and they have the spirit of God in them. They have a spirit of generosity. Most people that are stingy, I really have to question whether they're saved or not. Because everything you see about God is about giving. For God so loved the world that he gave. Jesus gave his life so we could be free. And if we've got God in us, we're going to have a generous spirit. 
We, we just will. And that's one of the best things, one of the greatest things I love about this church is this is a generous church. This is a giving church. Every single year, we give in a huge amount to see people that we may never, not no may, most of us will never, ever, ever see the people in person that our giving affects until we get to heaven. But thank God Almighty, they're going to get to heaven because you were generous. Are y'all with me? Now listen, they were giving. They seen needs. They seen needs. Now, what, remember what we said earlier? What were the needs? It was because a lot of people had lost their way of, of making a living. Because of their faith and because of their surrender to Christ, they were kicked out of the Jewish communities to the point that they could not make a living anymore. And they saw that and they said, let's help one another. They were together. All right? They, now here, you remember that word? Anybody remember that word I said was so important when it comes to fellowship and what koinonia meant? Anybody word? Sharing. Say it with me. Sharing. Say it with me. Say it with me. Sharing. I know what some of you are thinking. That means they shared their money. No, they shared the burden. Does the Bible not say bear one another's burden? You see, that's what this life over here is. This life over here is sharing life with each other. Sharing the ups. Sharing the downs. Sharing the messes. Small group is messy sometimes. Because life is messy sometimes. You're going to have to share with a couple in miscarriages. You're going to have to share with a couple in marital difficulty sometimes. You're going to have to share in a death of a loved one. But you're there to love that person and help them bear this burden. You've been called to share life. Listen, we're, we're sharing each other's life, but we're sharing the life of Christ. We're sharing the love of Christ. We're sharing the burden of Christ for lost souls. Why, why were you so generous? Because you love people like Jesus loved people. And you want those people to hear the gospel, to know the Jesus that you know. Are y'all with me? It's sharing. They were together. They were completely unselfish. Listen, they were completely committed. They didn't think about themselves. <clears throat> the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Every man according as he hath purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Acts twenty thirty five says, I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak, and to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. receive. They continued in giving. They continued in gathering. They continued in giving. But look at this, number three. We're, we're almost done. They continued in glorifying. They continued in glorifying. Now, remember what we said several weeks ago, what glorifying means? To glory or glorify God means make him look good. Right? It, make, it means to make him look good. Okay? Now, how did that happen? Look in, verse number, look in verse number 46. Look in verse number 46. We're just going verse to verse. It says, And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from... Listen, they were on a regular basis. They were meeting in these two different environments, in the big environment and in the small environment. Now, watch what it says. Breaking bread from house to house, did eat there with glad. Watch this now. Watch this now. With gladness and singleness of heart. Gladness and singleness of heart. Let me give you the three points, and I want to come back to that, okay? Let me give you the three points. How did they glorify God? First, in public worship. First, in public worship. They were continuing in the temple. They were continuing in the temple. This world needs to see you publicly glorifying God. Let me say that again. This world needs to see you publicly glorifying God. Let me look at the verse, Hebrews 13, 15. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of... Praise. Come on, the sacrifice of... Praise. Look what they were doing in verse 47. Praising God. 
Praising God. Say it with me. And having favor with all the people. Now, all the people is not the church people. It's the community people. So the community people was seeing them praising God. Are y'all with me? This world, this community needs to see a body of believers who are worshiping God, praising him. Now, how did they worship? How did they worship in the Old Testament? They brought a sacrifice, right? They brought a sacrifice or a lamb. We learn through the new covenant that there's no more lambs to bring. He was the lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. Does that mean that God says it's, you can't bring no more sacrifices? Nope. He said the sacrifices have changed. It's no longer a lamb that you bring, but watch what you bring. Watch what you bring. But let him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of, let us offer the sacrifice of praise. praise. What is that? It is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. Are y'all with me? When you come to worship in the public forum, I'm on the wrong side, in the big environment, amen. When you come, you are to come with your praise. And that praise is the fruit of your lips. In other words, all you people that say, I worship quietly. That's unbiblical. That's unbiblical. It says the fruit of your lips. That means there's got to be something come out of your mouth and it needs to be praise unto our God. Giving thanksgiving. Are y'all with me? I'm thankful I'm alive. I'm thankful I have air to breathe. I'm thankful for air conditioned buildings. Say amen. I'm thankful that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm thankful that I've been forgiven and it's based completely on the finished work of Christ on the cross. Thank you, Jesus. Don't come in here and sit like a knot on a log. Bring your sacrifice. Don't come in to hand it. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if the family leader strolled on into Jerusalem, walked into the temple compound, and they said, okay, where's your lamb? I didn't bring one. What do you have to give to God? Mm. Some of y'all hadn't brought nothing in a while, have you? Have you praised him lately? Publicly. Vocally. Where other people can hear you. Are y'all with me? Publicly. They glorified God. They glorified God. Then, then B, look. They continued in glorifying by public worship. And then B, by personal work. Man, they were helping people. They were helping people. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men. How do, you, how, do you, how do you shine? How do you shine out in this community? When it says before men, it's talking about unbelievers. It's talking about out in the community. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your what? Good works. You know, the, the sad thing about the modern day Christian in, in America is the extent of your Christianity is in the four walls of this building. That's sad. But you know what? This is just a pep rally for what you do out there. This this is practice. That's the game. How foolish would it be? We just come to practice all the time, come to practice all the time, and there'll never be a game on Saturday. Just huddle up. Can you imagine? Let's imagine. All right, Georgia and Notre Dame's playing this Saturday. Can you imagine if they just went out there in their little holy huddles and they stayed in that huddle the whole time? Never threw one pass, never run the ball one time, never had one sack, never just stayed in the huddle. They discussed the game. They discussed everything. But they never come out to huddle. You say, oh, you're being silly. That's no more silly than you just going to church in your little holy huddle and not playing the game. Not going out there and glorifying God by your good works, by your good behavior, by your... Are y'all with me? Watch this. Watch this. I'm almost done. Oh, goodness. All right. Look. Look. Write this down quick because I got to talk about that other part and we're late. 
They had a public worship, a personal work, and a powerful, powerful witness. A powerful witness. Look what it said. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Man, there was folks getting saved. And by the way, when we jump over in chapter number three, you're going to see how that was taking place daily. Okay? Now, now here, here's, I want you to go back. I want you to go back. I want you to go back. Verse 46. Verse 46. Everybody with me? Everybody on the internet? Watch this now. This is important. Watch this. Watch this. All the stuff we just got through talking about. Gathering. The doctrine, the fellowship, and the, the, the big environment, the small environment, the witness, the praising, the worship, all the stuff. Watch this. And they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking the bread from house to house. Watch this. Watch this. Did eat their meat with gladness. Gladness. And now watch. The word singleness means simplicity. Simple. Simple. We, we are in a culture today that is very complicated. And, and it's not complicated without our assistance. We have made it complicated. What, what, now listen, I, I'm, 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 I'm with us right here because God's had to fix me in this area or fixing me. Your complicated life is your fault. The Bible says that a good soldier doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who hath called him to be a soldier. One day I was whining to God because I was just wore out. I was burnt out. I was just frustrated and I was saying, God, I got this to do and that to do and this to do and this to do and this to do. And he said, well, I didn't tell you to do none of them things. You playing that. Listen, the devil is so good. He hasn't burnt your church building down. Because he knew you would rally and build a bigger one. You know what he done? He made you too busy to go. And, I, and I'm afraid, be careful, don't throw no stones. But I'm afraid it's because of idolatry called sports. In a lot of people's lives. I got a preacher friend of mine that was whining to me the other day. Well, I tell you, I got this and I got this and I got this and I got I said, no, you don't. You control your schedule. You just don't know how to say no. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you this. If you want to get glad again and be happy, happiness is... Have y'all figured this out yet? Happiness is not a full schedule. You want to get happy again? Simplify your life a little bit. Say this with me. Everybody with me? Come on. Say this with me. No. 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 Let me, let me, let me, let me think about No. If you're like me and you want to please everybody, it's hard at first. But it gets easier. Quit blaming God for your hectic lifestyle. Because most of the stuff you did. And you're doing it because you want to. I know. I, I, I'm dealing with this myself. Simplicity of heart. Simple. I wish I could be happy again. Simplify your life and see what happens. How come 
How come it is that we don't figure this out till right before we die? Right before we die, we figure out what's really important. And it wasn't all the things we was killing ourselves for. I know, y'all don't like that. I didn't either. All right. Gladness and singleness of heart. Listen, God blessed them because they were together. They were focused. They were bearing one another's burdens. They were fellowshipping. And all God's people see it. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you for the 